Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Rachel Minnis. Rachel received her Ph.D. in English from King's College, London, U.K. She lives in Vancouver, Canada, where she teaches in the English department and Langara College. Her first translation of Jonah Rosenfeld's short fiction, The Inheritance, appeared in Pockentrager 2015, the digital translation issue. She participated in the Yiddish Book Center's Translation Fellowship Program in 2016, and her translation project, The Rivals and Other Stories, by Jonah Rosenfeld, was published by Syracuse Press in 2020. She is currently working on a second collection. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. So lovely that you could join join me as we're all remote. Um, That's the only uh, way you... I can enjoy, join you living where I do, so it works well <laughs> for me. Okay, and I'm in the hinterlands of Western Massachusetts, um, so it's good we're we're connecting um, in different time zones, etc. But I've been so looking forward uh, to having a chance to speak with you. I've known of you through our translation fellowship at the center and of your work through Pock and Trigger. Um, so very exciting to have a chance to sort of get into the weeds a little bit with this. Um, and before I get started asking you about your latest work, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you found your way to Yiddish and uh, to translation so we can get a sense of how, how you traversed this. Sure. Um, well, my parents, uh, both of whom were Holocaust survivors, uh, were native Yiddish speakers, uh, Litvaks both. My mom's family from Latvia, my father's from Lithuania. And so Yiddish was spoken in the in the house when I was growing up, but typically so that the children shouldn't understand. And typically, uh, the children learn to understand. Um, I was often also sent off to the parents' shula when I was about nine, I guess, and picked up my basic olive base and a smattering um, of Yiddish over the next few years. Um, and then growing up, uh, as I was growing up, it was Yiddish was definitely not cool. Uh, I hear that's now changed uh, among some young Jewish people, but it wasn't the case when I was a kid. And I basically, you know, shelved Yiddish and Yiddishkeit um, for many, many years um, until triggered off by a visit to Eastern Europe where I actually met my mom's cousin in 2007. Uh, I decided I wanted to come back to Yiddish so I could speak uh, to my mom's cousin in Yiddish because uh, all she spoke was Yiddish and Russian. And uh, uh, fortunately, her daughter, who's fluently bi uh, bilingual, translated for us. So that's what basically got me back to my motivation back to learning Yiddish. I studied Yiddish um, vocabulary, conversation, grammar, and so forth for a number of years. I forget exactly how many. And at one point, it sort of I started thinking, what am I actually going to do uh, with Yiddish? You know, why, why am I, you know, aside from speaking to a couple of relatives, why am I learning this? What, what practical use will I put it to? And I live in Vancouver, where there is a, not a particularly large um, Yiddish-speaking population, and um, almost none of whom I personally know a few, but not that many. And at some point, I, I teach. I, I teach at Langara College. Uh, first-year students, almost none of whom are Jewish. And it occurred to me that maybe by translating Yiddish, I could um, put my Yiddish to some sort of immediately practical use. And 
in my studies, I came across uh, the Mendela site that has a number of short stories in Yiddish, and I was reading them to, um, you know, very slowly working my way through them with a dictionary in my hands to, to improve my knowledge of Yiddish. And I stumbled across um, The Rivals by Yona Rosenfeld, uh, and also another one of his stories, um, What Happened to the Old Man, both, both of which are in the book. So those were my first translations because I liked the story so much. And I thought, well, I'll just take a little crack at trying to put them into some sort of English uh, to help me with my Yiddish. And um, that basically, it just went on from there. I loved the story so much. I, I was motivated to seek out more of his stories, uh, to translate them. Eventually, I taught a couple of the stories uh, to my first year students at Langara. They liked the stories. and. Uh, that kept me going. And tell me a little bit about Rosenfeld's background, if you would. Well, not, not a whole lot is generally known about his, his background at the moment. I mean, we know the, the uh, outlines, and um, what we do know is uh, uh, not in a whole lot of detail, but described in the introduction to the book. So he was born in 1881 um, in a Small, uh, a small shtetl, uh, Chartorysk, uh, uh, in the Russian Empire, which is present-day uh, Ukraine. Um, his parents died in a cholera epidemic when he was 13. Um, and this fact now bears a lot of re resonance in, in today's, uh, today's world. He actually wrote a story, this is a bit of an aside, but he actually wrote a story about a cholera epidemic that I'm presently working my way through trying to translate. It's very long, um, but timely. So I think it's an important uh, story to look at now. Anyway, after his parents died at the young age of 13, um, Rosenfeld's parents, uh, uh, sorry, Rosenfeld's brothers set, sent him off to apprentice as a turner in Odessa. Um, and as an apprentice, according to Rosenfeld himself in his semi-autobiographical uh, novel, Ainer Elaine, in, in a few of his shorter writings. Um, he was very badly mistreated by that family. Uh, so he had a very unhappy youth. He started writing, and again, according to himself, we don't really have any, any secondary sources on this. He started writing by basically picking up a pen, I think, to write a letter. And the pen just started going on his own, and he realized, I am a writer, with apparently uh, uh, no influences, never having written or read any secular literature himself up until that time. I should mention he had a traditional Jewish education, which meant hater and religious education up until uh, the age of 13. Um, hard to know how much of that is, is true. It's uh, at least uh, his inspiration to write Hard to know how much that is true because, uh, um, you know, it sounds a bit legendary, you know, almost um, a little bit larger than life, how a writer could just pick up a pen and start writing and never look back without any influences at all. That was possible. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was a bit more to it than that, at least a little bit later in his writing career where uh, he certainly did have some literary influences what exactly they were. Um, 
needs exploration, actually. And that's one of the reasons that I uh, uh, published, you know, translated and published this collection, because I think Rosenfeld really deserves to be known more. And I myself am not a biographer. I'm not a historian. I think it would be kind of cool if uh, some biographer or historian may be reading these stories and becoming a bit inspired, maybe some brand new PhD student or whomever, uh, would actually look a bit more into Rosenfeld's background and his influences, because I think that's something that actually needs to be done. I think that's one of the things that's really exciting about the Translation Fellowship and what we're doing with translation publishing is because all of you are discovering writers that are lesser known in many cases, and these projects are bringing that work forward. Mm-hmm. And then, as you say, it, it allows for further scholarly exploration of who, they, who, who the writers were uh, yeah. and what their background is. And, and that's, right. that's, that's so exciting. It's like this major connect the dots around the globe where you just have all of these kind of simultaneous conversations going on um, between all of you and, and, and other scholars. So always interesting to see where it leads to. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, Rosenfeld's work originally, if I'm correct, uh, appeared serialized as much of these short stories did um, in the forwards in the 20s and 30s. Is that correct? Yeah, well, he started publishing before that. Um, I don't really know that much about his early publications. Excuse me. <laughs> where they were published. Um, Certainly they were uh, newspapers or literary journals. Um, uh, And that that again is, is, you know, a detailed bibliography would be kind of cool for for somebody to do to find out where where and when these works originally appeared. Um, His first collection came out in, I believe it was 1909 uh, in Europe when he was still in Europe. He didn't come to the States until 1921. Uh, so his career started well before the Forberts. Um, but again, uh, the exact details I don't know, and that would be quite a lot of work trolling through all these old, you know, digital publications, which are hard to find and hard to read, um, mm-hmm. to find out these details. I worked from uh, book anthologies. Uh, there were a number of them uh, that were published between 1909 and actually as late as 1955, uh, where he died in 1944, but a, a collection of his uh, was uh, put together, uh, introduced actually by Chaim Grada, and uh, was published in uh, New York in 55. So I worked from these various, co- you know, book, uh, uh, book length collections so to have Haim Rada write an introduction suggests that he was well thought of within yes. the literary community. Yeah. Yes, I, I would say um, so. But again, I think that's work that, that could be... That needs to be done. That needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so um, in the current Pock and Traeger digital edition, translation mm-hmm. issue, um, we have a piece by you, um, and that issue is called Yiddish Comes to America, or it's themed right. see that. And it's interesting reading it because I think it's um, his work in this case specifically really fits under that umbrella. Um, and you've, I think, described his work, or his work has been described in conjunction with release of the book as exploring limits of loneliness, social anxiety, and people 
frustrating longing for meaningful relationships, um, mm-hmm. and, and this is directed to an English reading language. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, having worked with his stories, in terms of how he wrote about the immigrant experience, how it informs our understanding, and do you think that this was a way for him to try to grapple with what he was experiencing? Wow, that's a really broad question. Are you yes. referring specifically to this one story, or his no? I think in, in in general, I think that this is a springboard, but it seems to be a thread in his writing. Right. Um, well, he was himself an immigrant, and he he was publishing. <clears throat> excuse me. After he came to the states, uh, he was publishing in the Forverts, which was uh, you know largely, but not entirely, read by an immigrant population. Uh, who wanted to read stories that resonated with their own experiences. Um, not Okay, so I guess I can assume, again, this is work that would need to be done and maybe we'll never know, that Rosenfeld's um, uh, target audience, uh, to use a marketing phrase, uh, but he was in it for the business, he was actually paid for his stories, were um, and made a living at it. So his target audience then were, were these largely immigrant writers. And so he was thinking of addressing their concerns, I'm sure, and as all writers do, writing partly from their own experience. Um, I think from what I've read, his writing in America can be classified into two very broad categories, and one of them would be uh, works that focused on the old country, and I guess we could say the pre-immigrant experience, and uh, other works, um, maybe slightly different in character. Uh, They seem a little different to me, uh, but address the needs of, or the the concerns, I would say, of the immigrant audience. Now, this led to a little bit of a problem. Uh, Again, uh, this is, this is, history really that that would need to be uh, research more research needs to be done here in that the uh, editor of the Forverts, uh, Abraham Kahan wrote that he was not all that keen on Rosenfeld's works that were set in the old country that he preferred no sorry I've got that the wrong way around um, he was not really keen on Rosenfeld's works that were that were set in America, that he preferred the works uh, that were set in the old country. And um, this did not sit very well with Yona Rosenfeld, uh, and it led to a, an argument between the two, and um, uh, the Forverts stopped publishing Rosenfeld's work. Um, having said all that, the argument over his work might have really been uh, based on more stylistic considerations and that Kahan felt that Rosenfeld's writing was getting too difficult um, for readers of the Forbert, stylistically too difficult, long, complicated sentences, etc. Okay, where am I going with this thought? Um, <laughs> that Rosenfeld's work sometimes, uh, you know, overtly address the needs and concerns of an immigrant uh, population, but not always. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's interesting that sort of dynamic with Kahan as the editor, et cetera, um, and you're mentioning stylistically um, 
who he who Rosenfeld was as a writer. He's I think it's safe to say a mo- he or he was a modernist. Um, and mm-hmm. I, it, it would be interesting to get your thoughts. It's, it's a not it's a question I ask a lot of translators because you have to get into the head of the writer that you're working with. That person isn't alive. Um, you're doing mm-hmm. and you've done a magnificent job with the literary mm-hmm. translation of this. Thank you. Um, I just I can devour these stories and you can go back to them and take away a whole nother set of things, I think. But, you know, in terms of his style, in terms of his work, was it hard to find your way into that voice? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I could say yes, because I was just learning Yiddish and um, when I started translating. And also, I think it's always a challenge for a translator to find the balance between the author's voice, their own voice, cultural assumptions, religious assumptions that may may not be specifically there in the text, but nevertheless have to be interpreted for an audience of readers that don't necessarily share that background or those assumptions. Um, So that's always a challenge, but right from the very first time, you know, when I was just really struggling through reading my very first Yiddish stories, when I read um, The Rivals uh, and um, also What Happened to the Old Man, when I read them in Yiddish on the Mendela site, it wasn't hard for me to to understand his characters. Um, I don't know, maybe that says something about me and my background, so maybe I don't want to go there in too much detail. Um, but I think many of us can relate, maybe especially these days, can relate to people who are um, struggling with culture clash, with the generational clash, uh, with issues around immigration. Many of us are the children of immigrants or perhaps immigrants ourselves. Uh, so in that sense, and, and in the sense that Rosenfeld writes psychological Fiction. I mean, I think he has a tremendously deep understanding of the psychology of his characters. I didn't find it difficult at all to, well, I shouldn't say that, mostly. I didn't find it difficult to understand the psychology of his characters and to, um, to express those uh, characteristics in English. Was there, or is there one story that sort of was pivotal or you would say was your favorite or in some way you um you relate to i mean not oh, i'm not asking you personally <laughs> that you relate no, to it i think yeah okay <laughs> um that's a really hard question to answer too because the stories i chose number one i i i've read a lot of rosenfeld stories and um obviously they didn't all find their way into this collection and uh, people have asked me, well, how did you choose the stories? You know, is it a scholarly choice or an academic choice or whatever? And basically it just comes down to, I chose the stories I liked. And if I read a story in Yiddish and it made me go, wow, uh, then that's one of, probably one of the ones that found its way into the collection. I, I don't know if too many of the stories in the collection did not evoke that wow response in me. So in that sense, they're all my favorites. And the more I worked with the story, to translate it, the more I liked it. Um, but I guess if you were to say, are there, are there any stories that are pivotal? Uh, I guess I would have to say The Rivals, which is a title story in the collection because um, perhaps simply because it was the first 
Rosenfeld story I read. Um, um, so I started with that story and also because it was Rosenfeld's most famous story and it was he re uh, I think the story was first published. I don't know if I have the exact date right, but I think it was 1909. So it was one of his very early stories. Uh, and then he revised it and it was republished a number of times, even as far, even as late as that um, uh, 1955 anthology. So he died in 44. So obviously he didn't revise it immediately before it was republished in 55, but he did rework it a number of times. Uh, it was even turned into a play. So obviously it struck a nerve uh, with his audience at the time and um, you know, who read the story in, in various incarnations and also went to uh, see the uh, Yiddish art theater version of the play, which came out, I believe, in 1921 or possibly 22 on Second Avenue in New York, I think. I'm not a New Yorker, so I might have that bit wrong. Um, well, it's, it's a really well curated. I mean, you, you brought them all together. They they work as a unit. Um, it's exciting work to read. And interesting that you'll reach a new readership. I mean, he seemed to have enjoyed um, having a readership in his time uh, as mm -hmm. his contemporaries. And, and now, again, as you say, it's always interesting that we can revisit some of this work, especially now that it's in translation for us, uh, and, and see that there's still relevance, that these issues yeah. are still being grappled with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so... Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. For our listeners, again, the book is The Rivals and Other Stories by Yona Rosenfeld. It's published by Syracuse University Press, and it is available at shop.yiddishbookcenter.org, uh, and I'm sure it's available um, in other places as well. So I recommend you get a copy of it. It's a great read. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing Rachel, to further uh, work in translation in Yiddish uh, to English, and um, hope to see you back at the center sometime when we can I all gather again. Yeah, that all right. great. Thank you so much for inviting me and uh, for this interview, and I hope, hope we meet again soon. Okay, take care. Thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.